Today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares delivers an encouraging message, especially for Christians. Everything that God has is ours, and one day we will inherit it all. And the point is, between now and then, anything He does give us, right? We recognize this is just a reflection of God's goodness in giving gifts to His kids. And didn't He say that when He was talking, talk, speaking of the Sermon on the Mount, talking about prayer? He said, guys, even you being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids. Do you think I don't want to give good gifts to my kids? Well, happy Thanksgiving and welcome to Focal Point. You know, there are tremendous benefits to being a child of God, including our incredible inheritance. But in these challenging times, when our culture is increasingly hostile to the message of Christ, we can lose sight of God's abundant blessings. So today, Pastor Mike Fabares gives us a timely reminder about the remarkable gifts God gives to his children. Open your Bible to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 1, as Pastor Mike jumps back into a message called, A Thankful Thanksgiving. Let's start here in verse 1. 1 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 1, I'll read it from the English Standard Version. And it reads, Now the Spirit, you'll notice that's a capital S, talking about the third person of the Godhead here, the one who's writing the Bible. Right? The Spirit expressly says... Then in the latter times, some will depart from the faith by. Now we're going to get the by in a minute, but depart from the faith means that this is a kind of problem that begins within the, the walls of the church. This is something that starts with people, as Paul warned the Ephesian elders when he left this town that he's now writing back to. Um, there's going to be people from within your own ranks that are going to pull up wrong thinking. They'll start with good theology, but they're going to deviate into ways of thinking that aren't right. And they're going to depart from the faith, and they're going to be devoting themselves to, here's, here's the weird part, right? To deceitful spirits. And, and if there were any doubt of what we were talking about there, right? Deceitful spirits, it gets clear here in the next few words. And teachings of demons. Verse 2. It's going to come through teachers, of course. And he says, it's through the insincerity of liars, not sincere, and they're not telling the truth, whose consciences, they should know better, but the consciences are seared. Seared, they're callous, they're burned over, literally that's the word. And so they've kept trying to think in a particular way that's warped their thinking. And what do they do? Well, he gives us two examples. Two examples on the table about the kinds of things that they do. They forbid marriage, that's certainly a gift of God from the very beginning, right? This is a gift. And these people say, no, you shouldn't participate in that. And they require abstinence, middle of verse 3, from foods. They require abstinence from food that God created to be received with thanksgiving, by those who believe and know the truth. Verse 4, for everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. And I think that's where this starts and we need to jot that down and then we'll try to explain it. Number one, if you're taking notes, you need to acknowledge the source of, of, of good things. And, and you could add more words to that if you wanted to make it a longer point, but you should acknowledge that God is the source of all good things. He is the one who gives all good things. And if it's good, it comes from God, even though in this world, it's full of junk. The world's messed up. All of us can see that. And from the time we did see our ancestors reach out and rebel against God's rules, there came all these consequences on the planet and everything else on this earth that used to be good started to get messed up. 
So the marring of sin on the planet has messed everything up from Genesis 3 all the way through Revelation 19. And we got a lot of trouble in, in the Bible, and it's all sinful. But here's what we learn throughout the Bible. There's good stuff happening that God continues to do on the planet, like he causes, to quote Jesus, right in the Sermon on the Mount, causes his sun to rise, and that's a good thing, that ball of fusion here as the earth spins, to shine down on the evil and the good. And that's a good thing that keeps us going. And he sends the rains, which nourish the crops, and so we can all have lunch today. He sends the rains on the crops of, of the righteous and the unrighteous, or the just and the unjust. Right? So God is doing good things in a sinful world, even though one farmer might be stealing from the other, right? or one person you know, might be murdering another. Here's all the sin, but there's good things poking through all of this. There's plenty that happens here on earth that still is good, but whatever is good, poking through onto this sinful planet, those things you should be able to trace back to God because if it's bad, you know where it came from, sinful rebellion of angels or men, but if it's good, it's coming from God because with God, there's no shifting shadow, there's no change. He's holy, he's, he's, he's immutable, he doesn't change, and the good things in life, as veiled as they might be for us to see as clearly as we should, as the old hymn says, though the eye of sinful man his glory may not see. I get that there's problems in recognizing some of that, but we should recognize that and we should say there's good here and when the good happens, we attribute it to God. Satan does not want you to see the goodness, the generosity, the joy, the pleasures that God brings as he brings into your life the good things that he's provided for you. Now back to our text. 1 Timothy chapter 4, go back up, if you would, to the middle of verse 3. We saw the distinction between the demons trying to get between people and the gifts of God, and sadly, that detracts from the glory of God. Instead, we want to fully engage in that by understanding God creates these things to be received with thanksgiving. Read the first part again. That these guys that are wrong, they forbid marriage, they, they forbid uh, certain foods, right? They require that you abstain from That God created to be received with thanksgiving. Here it comes, by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good. Nothing is to be rejected. And I'm going to split it right there too. And I know that's unorthodox, but we'll get to why in a second. But let's just look at that. We've gone from receiving with thanksgiving, thinking in a general way about God giving gifts, not just to the unjust, but to the just, his children. We think, well, that's a neat thing. God wants us to enjoy those, but he is very specific about who he's done this for for those who believe and know the truth. The gifts that God gives, the glory that's in the earth that are given and, and, and intersecting with your life, they should be received, number two, as good things, right? These good things as God's gifts, right? Here it comes very specifically to you, to you, if in fact you believe and you know the truth. So you can affirm what I just said, which was nothing groundbreaking, right? God is the giver of all good things. I, I believe that if there's a good thing in my life, it is a God thing, and God put it there sovereignly and generously. If you believe that, right, then you believe the truth, the truth that's on the table in this particular passage. And I would ask, are you a Christian? Do you trust in Christ? Are you a believer? Okay, I'm a believer, and I, and I acknowledge the truth. I know the truth that you're talking about. Great. These gifts in this world that God has given to be enjoyed and shared in are given to you. They're given to you. Now, you just told me, Pastor Mike, that on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said they're given to non-Christians and the unjust. Yes, they're given to them as well. But you know what the thing about them is? They don't honor God, nor do they give thanks. The whole point of this passage is you do honor God and you do give thanks. You honor God by making the connection. You, you draw the line between the gift and the giver, and you give thanks, which we're going to get to in a second. 
But in doing that, God says, that's, that's the way it's supposed to work. I'm giving them to you and you're responding rightly to them. You have the privileged position of being the recipient of the gifts the way that God intended them to be received. And that just puts you on a whole nother level. And that is something that's worth us thinking about. Right? It's a good thing. And again, if you have the lowly worm kind of Puritan theology that makes you think wrongly about yourself, that makes you think, I can't think in those terms. All I can think about is I'm an unworthy worm. Here's the deal. If you ask me, am I an unworthy worm? I'm going to say, yes, you are. Okay? Now, let's check that box and see that God took a bunch of unworthy worms and he made them inheritors of the kingdom of God. Right? And that's a big, big deal. And I just want you to consider what that means. Let's picture the Oval Office inhabited by someone you respect. Let's just put it that way if that's a stretch. Um, and, and you were bringing your kids or your grandkids in, and they're just little toddlers. And if the president said, oh, I'll bring, bring them in, that's fine. Yeah, they, they can come in here. I mean, you'd feel like, oh, man, you know, you'd tell your kid not to knock anything over and be careful. I mean, it would be very generous for that president, right, to be able to open up the Oval Office, right, to your toddlers who, you know, make a mess and crawl around. But it's a different thought altogether when you go back in time when we had JFK in the Oval Office and he had two toddlers himself, right? Caroline and John Jr. were running around in the Oval Office. Matter of fact, use our free Wi-Fi, go on Google Images, and just look up, like, Kennedy in the Oval Office with his toddlers. Yeah, there's tons of pictures, some famous ones, like the Resolute Desk has that kickboard that hinges open. Remember that image? Old people, raise your eyebrow if you remember that. And, and, and John Jr. is there sticking his head out. Um, and there's one, two of Caroline and John. There's several pictures of them messing around while he's in his black suit, right, skinny black tie, doing his thing. You got flags behind him, and you think, wow, now that's different. Those are his kids, right? It's like they're running around like they own the place. Because in a sense, they do, at least by virtue of them being children of the president. The president is rightly there, and the children are rightly there. Your kids are just guests. And all I'm telling you is there's a huge difference between God sending the sun, right, on the evil and the good, and God sending the rains on the just and the unjust, right? If you're a good one, which means you're a child of God, you believe in Christ, you're wrapped in his righteousness, right? And you're a just one. You live by the definitions of scripture and you say, I'm a child of God in the process of my sanctification, right? Then you need to understand the reality of what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches things like this. That makes you one who sees your sin. You in meekness come to God. And here's what Jesus said about the meek. The meek shall inherit what? The earth. That's gigantic. I mean, that's huge. When Paul was talking about all the, the, the factions within the church, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, right? I'm of Cephas. He said, stop it. One of his arguments was this. You possess all things. Remember that? That's a weird way to put it. You possess all things. Even later, when he talks about the meat sacrificed to idols, he quotes the Old Testament Psalms, and he says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Right? Everything is, is God's. And you're his kids, Right? You're his kid. You want to climb through the resolute desk? Right? God's the kind of God who looks at his kids and allows them to have stuff that other kids don't have. You're his children. And he says, go to the, the meat market and just eat whatever's put in front of you. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You're arguing about which teacher is yours. All the teachers are yours. You have all things. All things belong to you. 
Now think about that. When, when they were talking about the two drachma tax and they came to the disciples asking for it and the disciples and Jesus got in a conversation and Jesus said this, well, you tell me, Peter, who pays the tax? Does the king's sons, the princes and princesses, do they pay the tax or do the citizens have to pay the tax? Oh, the citizens, right? The kids are exempt. And he said, so it is, right? The children of the kingdom are exempt. But so as not to, to, to offend, let's pay the two drachma tax, right? And through that interesting thing, fish and mouth, the drachma, they pay the tax. But that's, that's weird, right? Think about it. It's like, you don't have to pay the tax. Why? Because you're children of the king. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything in it is, is the Lord's. And yet, we turn to Romans 13, I got to pay my taxes. Got to pay my revenues. Got to pay honor to whom honors do. Uh, okay, but here's the thing. In reality, this earth is not theirs, right? This earth is ours. This earth is ours because the fullness of the earth belongs to the Lord, and I happen to belong to him. The world, right, they reject him, and one day they will be rejected. We have embraced him. He has embraced us. And because we are his kids, right, we have all things. Now, before you drive to Newport, right, come up to a guy driving a, a Lambo, and you say, hey, are you a Christian? They say, no. They say, well, that ain't yours, then that's mine. Right? Before you do that, please understand, okay? Doesn't mean that we have everything in our portfolio now, but it does mean this, that everything that God has is ours, and one day we will inherit it all. And the point is, between now and then, anything he does give us, right? We recognize this is just a reflection of God's goodness in giving gifts to his kids. And didn't he say that when he was talk, talk, speaking at the Sermon on the Mount, talking about prayer? He said, guys, even you being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids. Do you think I don't know how to give good gifts to my kids? I, that's way different than us just sitting around going, well, just humble servant trying to get along and you know, God gave something here, but I don't know if I should really do that. Listen, uh, this is not the prosperity gospel. Are you following me on this? I'm not turning into an arena preacher. I'm just telling you. The reality is, as a Christian, the good things in your lives are gifts to be enjoyed. God is good, and he's giving you good gifts. Now, some of you are rolling your eyes. I see your eyes way back in your head right now. I see it. I feel it. For those of you looking at me with your eyes, but I feel some of you rolling your eyes. Because you're inverting this principle, and you shouldn't. And you're inverting it this way. Well, you know what? The guy across the aisle, maybe he's loving him. I've seen his car. Right? I've seen his wife. I've seen his, his house. Right? Uh, he ain't loving me because I don't have those things. Or I used to have some things, and then God took them away from me, so I know this. You keep talking about goodness of God and all these gifts. I don't have those gifts, so God is not being good to me. Careful with that. Right? Um, I, I could make the case that there's a lot of things on your Christmas list that you want from God that God is not giving you, and if you say he doesn't give them to me, then he doesn't love me, well, then I would say you're a brat. Right? Because that's not how it works. It shouldn't work that way for your kids, and it doesn't work that way for God's kids. As a matter of fact, you should be more like Paul that recognizes part of you not getting everything on your Christmas list is because he doesn't want you to be a brat. Do you know what I'm talking about? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You know what Paul wanted on his Christmas list? I want a healthy body. I want Anybody want that? I'd want that. And if you got cancer, right, got arthritis, you got some problem that's killing you, you want a healthy body and you've asked God, you've pleaded with the Lord to use the, the, the verbiage of 2 Corinthians 15. You've pleaded with the Lord for that. And the Lord said, no. Okay? And what Paul did is said, then God doesn't love me. Is that what he said? 
He believed the very thing he wrote to the Romans in chapter 8, verse 28, that he knows that God's working out a good plan. Before we do inherit all things, in this time, he's going to do things even with the deprivation in our life, and it has nothing to do with his lack of love for his children. And the point is, hey, you can't have a healthy body. But I know what I'm doing, and Paul could even figure it out, because if I had it, I think I would be a brat, because I know now that this weakness in my flesh is something God is using to put a muffler on my pride, and it's working, and so praise be to God that I'm weak, and I'll revel in my weakness, because there's power in being right in the middle of God's will, doing what he's called me to do when I don't get that thing on my wish list. So here's the deal. Some of you are sitting here, and you're infertile. You want a baby. You can't have one. You're single, and you want to be married. Right? You're broke, and you need money. You want money. Right? You're in an apartment. You want a house. You're, you're sick and you want to be healthy. You have all these things and you cannot handle this sermon right now because it's all about God loves, God's gifts, enjoy the gifts, receive the gifts, and all you can look at is the few things on your list that you don't have. And I know they're big things. I'm not saying it's not a big thing. It is a big thing. But just like Job, who couldn't even figure out why all the good things were taken from him, in the end, was there any doubt at all in God's big plan that he loved Job? He was willing to go and go to, go to you know, go to blows with Job's critics because they criticized Job. And he restored Job in the end. This was not about his lack of love for Job. And your deprivation is not about his lack of love for you. And you'd better say, even with all the things I don't have on my Christmas wish list, there are plenty of gifts that God has given me. The glory of God is evident in this area of my life, in this area of my life, in this area of my life. And you better be thankful for those things because that's why you were created, to honor God and give him thanks. That's the goal. And you receive those good things as gifts to you, even though you don't have everything on the list that you may want. God loves giving good gifts to his children. Just like he said, you know how to do it? He says, I know how to do it. All things belong to us. And one day they will be given to us in great measure, unmitigated generosity. Back to our passage, if you're still there, by those who believe and know the truth. I hope that's true of you. I hope that's you. For everything created by God is good. There's nothing to be rejected. Right, because you believe and know the truth, receive it. But here's the thing. If it is received with thanksgiving, okay, that's the whole theme of this passage. I've already seen this word up in verse 3. I know this is about thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. Okay, how do I give thanks? Well, I make it holy by the word of God in prayer. Okay, made holy, by the way. Hagiadzo. Hagiadzo. Hagios means holy. Hagiadzo, verbal form, to make something holy. We usually use the word sanctify, and, and it's the same Greek word, hagiadzo, made holy. That's the word here. You'll, you'll see the word elsewhere translated sanctify. It is san- I can thank God for it if it's something that is set apart by the truth, God's truth, God's word. I could not say to Eve in Genesis 3, hey, that apple looks really good, doesn't it? Hey, it's good for food and it's good for making you wise. It seems like it's a win, 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 win. And here's the deal. You just heard a sermon from Pastor Mike Fabares in Lisa Vale, California. And he said this. He said, you ought to enjoy it. You ought to receive it. You ought to be grateful for it. So go ahead and eat it. I couldn't say that because it's not sanctified by the word. What was the word? God's word. God's word was, can't eat that. So there's no way, even if you think it's good, which she said, good, 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 good. I want it. Right? You can't indulge in that. Why? Because it's not good. Because God said it's not good, even though it is good. There are things that are good that would feel good, that might be satisfying, that might be fun, but it's not, it can't be received with thanksgiving and enjoyed in a godly way. And you can't be grateful to God for it because it's not sanctified by the truth, not sanctified by the word. And that means it's got to be a biblical thing. 
There are things you can think about that you say, wow, this is a great sermon. I want to go indulge in those things. You can't indulge in those things, wink, wink. You know what you're thinking about. Why? Because it's not sanctified by the word. It can only be sanctified by the word. And the word is a set concrete thing. And God has told us what his word is, what his truth is. Here's what's right. Here's what's wrong. Here's what's godly. Here's what's not. So you can't just go and just do whatever you want. Sanctified by the word. Does that help? And then sanctified by prayer. How is it set apart by prayer? How does it fit into this category of being what is right and good and godly to be received and enjoyed and appreciated? Why? Well, when you pray. I even use this purposefully as I kind of summarize the whole passage. I talked about receiving, enjoying, and appreciating God's gifts. Appreciating God's gifts is not quite enough. Now I'm going to turn this into something deliberate. You see that first word of the third point on your worksheet? Deliberate. It's got to be deliberate. Prayer is deliberate. Prayer is moving my thought out of my head and addressing it to God. That's what prayer is. It's not enough to be thankful is what I'm telling you. You have to say thanks or give thanks. The problem with the non-Christian world is they don't honor God and they don't give thanks. You're supposed to honor God, and that can be something I think that's going on even in your value system, in your connections, in your mind, but now you have to give thanks. Number three, you have to deliberately express your gratitude for God. And if you want to include the rest of the passage, right, there are things that, are, that God says are good gifts, right? They, they are the right things. And I hope that you can stay, at least on a Sunday morning in a church building, thinking about those things, right? The good gifts of God, he does want you to enjoy them. He wants you to have them. He wants you to appreciate them. But he also wants you to direct your thanks to him, to say thank you to sincerely and genuinely express your thanks to God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I love that passage because it says, this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. What is? To give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. And again, I love the verbiage of that. Give thanks. You need to be giving thanks, deliberately giving thanks. You got to identify it. You got to know where it's coming from. You got to see it's for you, which I think ups the whole value and profundity of this. And then you got to be deliberately thankful. Yeah, a great reminder on this Thanksgiving day. You're listening to Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares and a message called A Thankful Thanksgiving. Now, if you missed any of the previous messages this week, you can easily go back and listen online at focalpointradio.org. We hope you've benefited from Pastor Mike's Bible teaching on Focal Point, and we hope you'll agree that clear, accurate biblical teaching is exactly what's needed in today's mixed-up society. But to keep the Focal Point ministry going strong, we need your help. When you give, we'll say thanks by sending you Pastor Mike's brand new book titled Envy, A Big Problem You Didn't Know You Had. So please give generously today when you get in touch by calling us at 888-320-5885 or by going online to focalpointradio.org. And if you're not quite ready to give just yet, we'd still like to hear from you. This month, we have a free gift for our listeners who contact Focal Point. It's a complete CD copy of Pastor Mike's sermon called Envy, A Private But Disruptive Sin. To get your free gift, contact us at focalpointradio.org. Now, before we wrap up, here's Pastor Mike with a special announcement. Hi, Pastor Mike Fabar is here. In the summer of 2024, I'll be teaching the Bible on a seven-day cruise to Alaska. I want you to come with me. 
from August the 4th through August the 11th, 2024. We're going to discover the splendor of God's word while we explore the rugged beauty of the Alaskan coast. Join us for world-class dining, daily teaching, worship. It'll be an unforgettable experience. So don't wait to book your spot. Visit focalpointministries.org slash Alaska to learn more. Make your plans to join Pastor Mike in Alaska by booking your spot right away at focalpointministries.org slash Alaska. Well, you know that little voice that warns you when you've made a mistake? Is that the Holy Spirit talking or is it your own conscience? I'm your host, Dave Drewy, inviting you to join us tomorrow when Pastor Mike reveals how you can figure out the source of that little voice and respond appropriately. Join us for a helpful edition of Ask Pastor Mike, Friday on Focal Point. Pastor Mike here. I pray today's message will help you live out your faith with truth and love. After all, that's the kind of biblical faith that changes lives and transforms a crooked culture. But if you haven't truly surrendered your life to Christ, then I'd like to invite you to get in touch. We'd love to pray with you and help you discover God's plan of salvation. Visit focalpointradio.org. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.